0: Can Utah lose two games in the Pac-12 regular season and still make the championship game? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs go to birddogs.com/slash locked on college, and when you enter promo code Locked On College, that's all caps, no spaces, Locked On College, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Once again, Locked On College bird dogs and the promo code is locked on college one word to get in on that great offer from bird dogs we'll hear a little bit more about our friends at bird dogs in a little bit but my name is jt was still former intern inside the university of Utah athletic department on today's show we're gonna talk about the men's basketball team missing out on a transfer also talk about karen a reed being named to an award watch list but first i want to touch on a topic that could be very interesting that plays out this fall and that's if Utah can make the Pac-12 championship game if they do lose two regular season games. Because look, just based on the projections and how brutal of a schedule they're going to be playing, it's they're probably going to lose two games, if not more than that, which look, if they were to lose three, then they'd probably get knocked out of it. But I will come out and say really quick, like they absolutely can lose just two games and still make the championship game. I'll explain why in a second, but I look. I did my schedule predictions earlier throughout the last few episodes. Been looking at each chunk of the season in a four-game samples, right? I had Utah ten and two overall on the season, and I had those two losses in Pac-12 play. I picked at Oregon State, and I picked at Washington for those. They could easily lose some of those other games. They could easily beat both of those teams too, because the Pac-12 is going to be really good this year. So there's a lot of different ways the season and everything can play out and if you're looking at the schedule for utah football just in general right now there are some really tough stretches right starting out with florida and baylor that doesn't affect their pac-12 championship season but starting out the season with two losses or even one and one can hurt the can hurt you a little bit just going forward in terms of trying to keep up that uh, mentality. Sometimes an early season loss can be good, right? Like Gets everyone to realize, man, we already lost one. like We can't lose another or everything we wanted is over. That can really help. But Or sometimes if you lose two, it can cause things to spiral. But either way, I mean, look, UCLA and Oregon State, they're two really good teams. Utah's to play them in their first two games to open the Pac-12 regular season. Then you get a little bit of break in Cal, who is still a solid team, but Utah should be able to beat them at home. Then you take on USC and Oregon. That's about as tough a two-game stretch as you could have between two teams who are very well, also not just buying for Pac-12 championship but the college football playoff. Then you get Washington. You also see them with Washington, Arizona and Colorado, which Arizona and Colorado feel like two huge swings team to me. And then you guys, if you listen to the show, and know I'm very high on Washington this season. I think they'll be really good. And Just projecting it as I had. I had Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. I had them facing off against Washington because I do think the Huskies are ready to make the leap and make the next step. And I do think their program's in a very strong position to do so. So that brings up the question, like I mentioned, those two losses to Oregon State and then also factor in that other loss that I gave to Utah and them playing at Washington. Those two road losses because this two team lost their two Pac-12 regular season games on the road last year. Been pretty strong at home, but they will be tested with Oregon coming to town and UCLA coming to town this year. But The question is Can you lose two games in Pac 12 play and still make the championship game? And the answer to that is yes. And Utah did it last year, but last year was crazy, right? Because we had all those tiebreakers. And I remember I actually had recorded because I was unaware of some of the tiebreakers. I thought when Utah had lost to Oregon, I thought that ended their chances to go to the Pac 12 championship game. But then we learned about all these crazy tiebreakers that could happen, still seemed unlikely. And then somehow Utah made it happen, right? When you had Washington beating Washington State, we thought that would happen, although, you know, that's a kind of a robbery game. The Apple Cup, things could get a little crazy there. Then you have UCLA beating Cal. That was the easiest one. And then the hardest one was going to be Oregon was going to Oregon state and look, Oregon state. Then we knew they're a pesky team. They're good, but Oregon had been operating on a much higher level. They even got up huge in the game. I remember turning it off and then check my phone later and see the update. Oregon state stormed back and won without throwing a pass from the six minute mark in the third quarter on like just unbelievable stuff. And because those three things happened, Utah was able to make the Pac-12 championship game despite having those two losses. Right. So that's something for utah that i do think you look at last season like hey they got lucky a little bit with all those tiebreakers but it hasn't always come down to crazy tiebreakers by by that for utah to get in with two losses and just in general every single season the pac-12 championship game except for 2019 has had at least one if not both teams that suffered multiple conference losses let's look back in the 21 championship game right utah only had one loss in pac-12 play oregon who got in they had two losses at that point keep it going to 2019. As I mentioned, that's the year that Utah and Oregon, they both only had one loss. And this is just, once again, just looking at the history, seeing, Hey, how many two loss teams have made packed off championship game. And the numbers actually is a lot more surprising than you think. And it just feels like it's hard to make it when you have two losses, just because we're coming off a season in which it seems so improbable for Utah to make it with two losses. Yet they were able to do it and they've been able to make it with two losses or even more in other instances. For example, let's look at 2018. Utah had three losses and they made the Pac-12 championship game that season. Washington had two losses and they also found themselves in there. So both teams had multiple conference losses in in the season and were still able to make the championship game. Then in 2017, you had Utah who made it with just one loss and Stanford made it having lost two games in Pac-12 play. So once again, just a ton of games and teams there that featured multiple teams, two conference losses, or at least one team that had lost two games. So you can absolutely lose two two games and still make the PAC 12 championship game. That's what it's taught us. Just looking back on the recent six years we've seen in the conference, even 2020, I took the COVID year out, but I think USC was undefeated. They were five and oh, but the team they played in Oregon at the time, Oregon had two losses. They were three and two entering that in that weird shortened season. So even that season, you had a team with multiple losses in the PAC 12 championship game. So it shows you it is possible. And the other thing I think that bears mentioning is this is Utah will not be the only PAC 12 team with two losses in my opinion, because the conference is loaded with talent. Let's look at the Fanduel projected win totals. You have Oregon State at nine and a half, USC with nine and a half, Washington with nine and a half, UCLA Bruins projected at eight and a half, the Utes projected at over eight and a half, and Oregon State with over eight uh, projected at over eight wins too. So that is by far the most of any Power Five conference too. I shouldn't say by far, but it is the most of any Power Five conference with teams projected to win over eight games. And how are these teams going to be able to win? that many games overall well they're going to beat up on each other a little bit too because each team in the pac 12 faces a gauntlet of a schedule some can be more difficult than others but every single one has their challenges for example we already went through utah's a little bit first right they, they have to go on the road to usc washington and oregon state and that's without even mentioning getting oregon and ucla at home so three really difficult road games but they're not the only ones with difficult games right oregon has to go to washington to utah you remember what happened last time? Oregon went to Utah, obviously. So that's going to be a tough game for them. They also face USC and Oregon State at home. And look, should they be able to defend home against Oregon State, especially? Yeah, but they also should have been able to go in and beat Oregon State last year. And I think Oregon State could be even better this season, just based on DJU coming in to solidify the quarterback spot for them. No, they lost some talented players, but I just think overall they could be an even better team this coming season. So, Oregon, a tough schedule. How about Washington? They have to go to Oregon State, one of the most challenging places to play in the Pac 12. And they also have to go on, go to the Coliseum and take on USC. And they have, after that USC stretch, they also play Utah. That's back-to-back weeks. They play USC and Utah. Now they get to host Utah in that game, but that's not going to be an easy out. Neither is when they host Oregon. So those are four really challenging games there, too. And then you get Oregon State as well, and Oregon State hosts Utah and Washington. So two tough home games. They've been good at home, but Look, this Utah home winning streak that I bragged about a lot for the youth is going to eventually come to an end, and it could come to an end for Oregon State this season too, with two tough opponents in in Utah and Washington. In Oregon State, um, they didn't even they've been they've only lost I shouldn't say home streak because they've only lost they have lost a home game last season. They lost one against USC when the Trojans came to town, but they did not lose one in 2021. So in the last two seasons, they've only lost one home game. Utah in the last two seasons has lost zero home games and hasn't lost a true game dating all the way back to 2018. But they got those two difficult home ones and their road schedule where they have to travel isn't as brutal but they still have the tough game going to oregon and this is an oregon state team that as strong as they've been at home they have had an underwhelming loss or two on the road so i think that's something that bears watching too they could be the team that gets upset by arizona this season we saw arizona upset ucla last season for example so some of those teams that are projected with less than eight wins their big season defining win could be against a beavers team that has been playing some really strong football but just ends up not having that momentum that day things are off offenses not clicking and there there's a loss right there so there is definitely going to be one team especially this year with how good the conference is we always talk about the conference cannibalizing itself and usually that's with lesser opponents beating the top teams I think this year just like we saw last year we're not going to see a lot of the lesser teams beating the top teams but we will see the top teams just really beat up on each other and it's going to hurt the conference overall it's chances to have a team in the college football playoff it's but it is also going to open up the opportunity for some of these teams to lose two games and then we'll see those tiebreakers come into effect again so that's where i do think look one of usc oregon and washington and i left usc off here too but usc is a very uh, difficult schedule as well we, we highlighted some of those games they don't they have to play utah oregon and washington so they don't get off easy at all but either way back to what i was saying that look these one of these teams is going to lose multiple games It's happened every time one of Washington, Oregon, or USC will probably just lose one game, but even then it's their schedule is brutal enough, they could easily lose two as well, so it's going to be really interesting to monitor, but I absolutely believe one team with two losses in Pac-12 play will be in the Pac-12 championship game and be back in Vegas. Now the question is will that, be in U- will that be Utah? And the other question is, will that just be one team, or will both teams have multiple losses, just like we talked about in 2018 where Utah had three and Washington had two. Anything can happen in the Pac-12, especially when you have this much talent in the conference. It's going to be an incredible season it'll be interesting to see how the utes can make it out of it and one of the things the utes have going for them is they're going to get some exceptional linebacker play from karen a reed we're going to talk about what major award watch list he was just named to in one second but first we got to talk to you guys about our friends at bird dogs guys bird dogs are great they're stretchy khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as a Lululemon, but they fit way better. the fa- They fit way better than regular shorts and are made off a stiff, restricting cotton. And bird dogs fix the issues invented by cloud night fabric that just look like khaki, but stretches so good you feel a similar way without having to sacrifice the movement. Bird dogs use anti stick sweat sweating fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long guys i'm wearing bird dogs right now as i record this podcast i just got mine a few weeks ago from my friends at bird dogs and they've become my favorite pair of shorts they're really breathable super comfortable as well you can wear them on a date going to the movies recording a podcast per se there's lots of different things you can do with your bird dogs and they also make for a great gift as well if you're looking to give someone for a birthday or just something other event you might have coming up as well so this is a great opportunity for you guys you can go to bird dogslash slash lock on call and enter promo code Locked On College. Once again, all caps, no spaces, locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for free. Yeti style tumbler. You don't want to miss take you don't want to excuse me, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. So once again, head to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter that promo code locked on college all caps to get in on a great offer from our friends at bird dogs. All right, we're in kind of the season now where it's time kind to of, Preview of the season, right? We're in June, July, and then August is right around the corner, even though it feels it is still it's less than 100 days away. I believe it's we're, we got to be approaching 80 days to Utah football. Could even be at the time I'm recording this, so I think out loud. But this is the time when you start to see award watch lists get named. And Corrine Reed found himself on one of those. Reed is one of the 42 candidates that were named, and it included 16 linebackers for the Lot Impact Trophy Award Watch List. This comes to us from the people at the Utah Athletics website who, um, for Utah football, that publish this um, article that I'm quoting from and just listed kind of the information on the trophy the lot trophy is named after NFL Hall of Famer Ronnie Ronnie lot and gives the defensive impact player of the year that makes the biggest impact on and off the field we know Reed has been essential for this Utah defense for the past two seasons for his contributions stepping up in different spots especially back during some injuries in 21 and then obviously last season being the starter and the only starter or not the only starter but the only like main contributor in the linebacker room to come back from that season because Lander Barton was a rookie of course or a just a freshman. Then you had Mahmoud Diabate transferring in after his years with the Florida Gators. So he was huge on the field from a leadership standpoint, helping everyone to line up, helped his brother, Gabe Reed, um, transfer in as well. It was a huge boost for this Utah pass rush. And, but he's also a guy who's been very involved in the community. And I think it's great that he's being highlighted. And named this award watch list because he absolutely deserves it for the contributions he's made to the program overall as an individual and just in the community in general too as I mentioned helping out and doing different various things that he's uh he's been helped out with and that's something that Utah football does a great job of they are very involved in the community I think that is one thing that's really cool about this program too but I mentioned right there because kind of some of the off the field stuff that he does let's talk about his impact on the field because you talk about a guy who's in 24 games and 20 starts in two years with the Utes he joined the program back in 21 as a walk-on and remember, played that season as well in 21. It was Devin Lloyd, Nephi Sewell. When those guys dealt with some injuries, Reed stepped in a little bit, and he earned a scholarship after that season, too. And then what did he do in 22? He earned all Pac-12 second-team honors after leading the linebacker group with 72 tackles. He had nine and a half tackles for loss, five sacks. Also added three pass breakups and an interception with a forced fumble and fumble recovery. Really strong in coverage for this Utah team over the middle field. I think that's something he was very underrated for. He had four or more tackles in 10 of Utah's 14 games last season, including his season-high 10 stops, 1.5 tackles for loss at Arizona State. He recorded at least one sack in three straight games against UCLA, USC, and Washington State. Also forced to fumble against the Cougars with five tackles. That's one thing that Reed doesn't get a lot of credit for, in my opinion, that he deserves to, is his speed that he brings. That's one thing that Morgan Scalley gets so creative with his blitzes, right? He does a great job timing those, disguising and making it look like he's not coming. Also does a good job with his hands. If an offensive lineman can't step over in time, they'll try to reach out to be able to block him a little bit. He does a good job knocking those hands down. And he has the speed to be able to bring guys down. He had a huge sack on Caleb Williams, I remember, in the USC game. That was essential to the Utes' opportunity to be able to come back and beat the Trojans late in that game back at the one that was at Rice-Eccles. And even looking back in 21, you could see the signs that he was going to be special. As he played in 10 games with six starts, posting 45 tackles. He had two and a half tackles for loss in a sack, also contributing three brackets. Pass breakups, and an interception. His breakout game came against Washington State, where he cor- recorded a career-high 15 tackles with one sack. So once again, this is a guy who stepped in, huge expectations. Utah needs a linebacker in 2021 against the Cougars. And what does he do? Gets 15 tackles, still his career-high, burst onto the scene, and this was after joining the program in 2021 as that walk-on, as we mentioned. So absolutely earned his scholarship, earned the spot. And we talk about Karene Reed too. You're talking about a guy who does a really good job flowing to the ball. That was something I would get frustrated with. Mahmoud mood Diabate at, is sometimes he would be a little slow to to the ball or he would overreact and kind of run himself out of place. Reed doesn't do that. He does a very good job getting around offensive linemen, trying to climb to the second level and reach him to also a very strong tackler. Does a good job wrapping up in space. There are times he misses a couple tackles too, but I thought overall he was the strongest tackler in this Utah linebacker unit last year and just always found himself in the right place to make plays. We already highlighted his abilities as a blitzer too. I think he does a really good job of figuring out what an offense is trying to do recognizing when they're trying to do a run fake or a pass fate does a good job getting coverage over the middle of the field mentioned some of those pass breakups he's very quick does a good job reading quarterbacks eyes and can close on balls quickly and Another thing that the stats don't show in all those stats, once again, we're courtesy of the Utah Athletics website. We appreciate the hardworking team they have up there that distributes those press releases with all those listed. And But when you talk about Reed, you're talking about a guy who's a leader too. I mentioned recruiting his brother a little bit. Him and Gabe were both at um, Spencer Fano's house when he announced his commitment. I feel like they were in their cousins with Fano, so they were, I believe they were part of that process too, communicating with him about what a great fit and place Utah is. And look, I think he was a, a huge voice in the locker room too, once again. This is a guy who only played in one... One season and then had to was the only one on that linebacker core who had multiple years of playing experience even like guys like Justin Medlock and Lander Barton were looking to him and even Mahmoud Diabate when he was a little confused I'm sure he was going over to Reed and talking it out with him and talking about things he needed to do better and that's where Reed was able to step in and help and really lead this room and it's something that made this Utah defense a lot better because of it, because of the impact that Reed made as a leader and just ability to shut guys down. So many big run stops on fourth and third down. I mentioned some of the sacks, too. It does a good job getting to the edge quickly, finding and locating the ball, can fill holes, and a strong tackler, too. So I'm a huge fan of Karene Reed's game. I think it's awesome he's getting highlighted here, and I hope he has an outstanding season. I think him and Lander, as well as the whatever, Leavani DeMuni and then Justin Medlock will factor into that, too. I think Utah – is going to have one of the best linebacking corps in the Pac-12 this year. Last year had its growing pains, right, with Reed in his second year still starting, some ups and downs, but I still thought overall mostly positive stuff. Lander in his first season, not just starting, but if college football, then you get Mahmoud Diabate in just his second season playing off-ball linebacker and learning an entire new defensive system. And look, De DiMuni will have to do that too, but he's a guy who's at least more familiar with Pac-12 plays, face some of these teams. He knows what they like to do, and he's more comfortable playing off the ball as well. So I'm excited to see what this Utah linebacker room can do and I love that this award also, once again, recognizes on and off the field impact because that is definitely something that Corrine deserves recognition for. So once again, one of the 42 candidates, including 16 linebackers named the lot trophy, um, the lot trophy watch list, which is after Ronnie lot and give the defensive player impact of the year award that'll be announced later on in this later in the season. I think that gets named in sometime in December, I want to say. So it'll be interesting to watch the year that Corrine has. And I think he's definitely going to have a chance, especially with some of that off the field impact stuff that um, he contributes with to maybe be the winner of this. So that'll be something fun and interesting to monitor to see. So that's going to do it for our Utah football talk. But well, we do want to mention a little bit about Utah basketball, because one of the guys last week I had talked about, or I think two weeks ago actually, was a Ray, Ray J. Dan, De, or excuse me, Ray J. Dennis, who was the Toledo guard that Utah was very interested in, the Mac player of the year. Led the conference in scoring and assists last season. I mean, he's unbelievable as a junior, 6'2, started his first two years at Boise State and transferred over to Toledo and had it and was, or spent the last two years at Toledo, excuse me, in his senior season, he excelled. He's got the COVID year, so he's going to use that. He did end up transferring to Baylor, so Utah lost out on him, and it's a blow because you're losing a guy who, in MAC play, averaged 19.5 points, 4.3 rebounds, 5.8 assists, and 48% shooting from the field. As I mentioned, he did go over to Baylor, which, look, the Baylor basketball program, they just won a national championship back in 2021. It's It makes a lot of sense why he would want to go join and be a part of that, but it is a bummer for this Utah basketball team because this was a dynamic playmaking guard. I love the way he finished around the hoop as a good shooter, can create his own shot and create for others too with just that athleticism in the backcourt getting davion smith was huge for utah and getting more athletic in the backcourt but it was still tough to lose a guy like dennis who i really think of between him raleigh rooster and uh, davion smith i think he would have been the best point guard on this roster had he come in and now it'll be interesting to kind of see that battle will it be davion smith is raleigh's familiarity with the system going to give him the edge that's something that's going to be a fun battle to watch as camp approaches but definitely a bummer to miss out on him because this is a guy who Look, Brandon Carlson probably would have still led the team to scoring next season, but Ray J would have had a chance to do it. Such a special player. I think he would have fit really well in this offense, too. But as I mentioned, in the end, ends up going over to Baylor. So a little bit of a blow for the basketball team. And now still means they have a roster spot open. We'll be interesting to see who they look for to fill it. There's still some talented names in the transfer portal. So. I'd love to hear from you guys if there are already players out there that you'd like to add. I think where Utah will go with that spot is going to be a guard. I think that just makes the most sense because you want to continue to get explosive, have more guys who can handle the ball, especially when you lose Marco. You lose a guy who's so good at running Craig Smith's system, obviously knew how to get everyone else's um, – knew ever, where everyone else was supposed to be, could play multiple positions, could handle the ball. right? And with Stefanovic leaving as well, right now, Raleigh Wooster, Davion Smith are probably – two guys I feel the most comfortable doing that you got other guys like a Gabe Madison can bring it up but I don't know what Gabe can't create for the other guys as much right he just provides that gravity in the spacing because he is such an exceptional knockdown shooter so it's going to be interesting to see how it does all play out for the Utah basketball team um, who recently actually just got back up to campus too they've started their summer workouts they've added some guys Hunter Erickson Lawson love Rain, guys we've spoken about a little bit on this on this show overall, I am a, I am a fan of Erickson's game. Uh, last season I called a lot of Salt Lake community colleges games and Eric's and Salt Lake community college is a top five juco basketball program. So he was playing against guys. Um, he was playing with some of his teammates who are going to schools like Mississippi state, um, UAB and other talented guards who are spread out all over the country. Just guys who are going to all these different places. So Erickson can absolutely play. It'll be interesting to see if he can crack the rotation just because look, this Utah basketball team has a lot of guys who can play obviously, but the question is, can they play the, can the team play at a high level in the PAC 12, and finish the start the season. St- or didn't start the season outstanding, but still have a strong middle of the season. Just have a com- more complete season. That's something this Utah team hasn't had yet. I think that's something I would love to see in Craig Smith's third season. And once again, with Ray J Dennis not coming, they're going to lose a little bit of explosive potential explosiveness in the backcourt, but that's why you still got Davion Smith. So you have some of that and still have some time to recruit another player. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Utah basketball is going to do. That is going to do it for our show today. Make sure you guys come back tomorrow. I've been teasing recruiting a little bit all week long, so we're definitely going to hit that. Also, we'll be doing a Q&A, so make sure you guys send in your questions you guys can message them to me at jt wister so you can message them to our channel at locked on Utes. tag them or just leave them in the comments below and we'll get to as many as we can on friday's show we've gotten to everyone's questions on every other q a so far so i don't see why fridays won't be any different but once again we'll be talking about some utah recruiting on tomorrow's locked on Utes. we'll see you then